When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Spotcast. This is episode 11. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And also joined by Jonathan Kuline over there in Mississauga. Over there. Over there. Singing and dancing. You got it. All right. Well, in tradition of our usual show, our usual style here, let's do some fact check with Jonathan. So take it away. Fact check. Okay. So uh, this is for episode 10. We're up to date. So uh, only a few things this week. Uh, 3210 last episode. Uh, uh, the Borg kids who first appeared in the sixth season episode of Star Trek Voyager entitled Collective are named Icheb, Mizoti, Azan, and Rebi. Oh, really? That's on Voyager. So Hugh, I remember one guy named Hugh that was on, was that was on the next generation? That was on, right? Yeah, that was TNG. And so he was like, well, like a season or two before Seven of Nine? Uh, several seasons, yeah, because oh, TNG right. was over and then Deep Space Nine and then later Voyager. So yeah. Yep. So did we ever, did we ever have Borg on Deep Space Nine? I guess not, eh? No, I don't, I don't know. I mean, did they do any Borg episodes? I, I don't remember don't any. Call a Borg episode. I think the closest yeah. we got was uh, was they Worf appeared on the Defiant in uh, in the Star Trek movie, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess technically the pilot for um, Deep Space Nine because it starts during the Battle of Wolf Three Five Nine. Yeah, more that's like true. A flashback than anything else. Yeah. I guess, so I guess it technically counts as having the Borg there, but not. Yeah, uh, not like they had like a story of the week related to it. Yeah, no, no running uh, children characters or anything. Uh, so fact check forty. 511. Uh, the new Francis McDormand film that Tim mentioned, uh, pre- well, didn't premiere, showed at the Toronto International Film Festival. It's called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, I don't know how you didn't remember that name, Tim. That's, that's, uh, well, I, I remember the billboards. Yeah. <laughs> it's the billboard movie. The billboard, so, right, and, yeah. and what's the gist of that movie? Do you remember? Or, uh, you know, I, I didn't. I just, I looked it up. I must admit, I, that one escaped my notice, uh, when it was here. So I, I caught the name, but I didn't really get into the details. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember seeing it because it had an unusual title. Yeah. Well, and Francis McDormand's always worth watching. That's true. And that's, that's you know, I saw the title and I saw it was her and then kind of made two and two together. And I think I saw a, a trailer for it somewhere, but I can't remember yeah. what it was about. Oh, well. And uh, 102.15, the TV show that Tim was referring to as Guantanamo is actually called Quantico. Quantico. Yeah. Uh, I actually did say Quantico, but you couldn't hear me. It was like drowned out. But Yeah, I couldn't. I, I must have had to look that one up. I remember seeing the commercials for it, but I never got a chance to watch that one. So, so, so since we have Mr. Lopez on the show, mm. or sorry, Senor. 
Mario Lopez on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, can we ask what Guantanamo and Quantico are those? Are those Hispanic names? You know, Guantanamo probably is just given the way uh, like Guantanamo Bay and, and where it is uh, in relation to, to Cuba. I actually don't know about Quantico. I don't know. That sounds yeah, Quantico is the, the FBI or CIA headquarters. Yeah, I actually don't know. I, I'll have to look that one up. Hmm. Hmm. If only is that where Alias takes place, Jonathan? Uh, Quantico. Let's see. First thing that comes up is the TV series. That's never a good sign. Yep. What is the meaning of the word Quantico? Formerly Potomac is a town in Prince William County, Virginia, United States. <laughs> Very helpful. No, yeah, I think, given, given I think we, you're right. I think it's... Uh, oh, there we go. It's uh, United States Drug Enforcement Administration's Training Academy, the FBI Academy, and the FBI Laboratory, the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. So it's it's headquarters for a lot of um, DC adjacent... Right, right. Oh, it's in... Sorry, where did you say, what state did you say it was in? Virginia. It's in... in oh, so it's right next door. Right next to Washington, D.C. So Quantico in that reference, I think uh, it's a site of one of the U.S. largest U.S. Marine Corps bases called Quantico. It's also, uh, yeah, home to uh, the DEA Training Academy, the FBI Training Academy, the FBI Laboratory, Naval Criminal Investigative Service, uh, the U.S. Criminal Investigations Command, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations Headquarters. Uh, Yeah, so it's it's got a lot of stuff. Right, right, right. Okay. And now we know. And so the last one, should I do the last one? You should do the last one. Uh, Well, there's two. There's the there's one from you and then uh, one from me. So so I mentioned watching The Balance of Terror. I did actually watch The Balance of Terror, but I mistook it for what is actually called the Enterprise Incident, which is where Kirk gets uh, gets surgically altered to look like a Romulan. And as Scotty says during the show, you look like the devil himself. Yeah. Um, and Spock and Kirk go over to, beam, somehow beam over to a Romulan ship and, and the Romulan caption, who's female Romulan, tries to do seduce Spock. Um, meanwhile, Kirk beams over and steals the cloaking device when he finds out where it is and um but the balance of terror was i think i think the balance of terror was the first episode where we see the gentleman who played Sarek um as a romulan and it's about i think that's the one about um the first time they kind of encounter the romulans and, and kirk and um the other uh, romulan guy do battle as it were right so is that, is that correct yeah you guys think mark leonard yeah mark leonard that's it yep. that's when they go yep. and of course i can be totally wrong about the balance of terror again so you can we'll have another fact check for next week there you go <laughs> all right and the only other thing i noticed that one of the things we mentioned last episode was when Jabberwocky, the uh, film you had uh, reviewed for us as a, a, a pick a couple weeks ago, Jabberwocky is going to be released on the 21st of November, 2017. Yeah, cool. yeah I think that's the first time Criterion has yeah. done their special frame-by-frame scanning and retouching, right? Like I said, the bathroom scene will be all worth it in frame-by-frame restoration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yep, yep. There you go. Cool. All righty. So let's move on to the follow-up. So Jaime, you have a follow-up item here for us? Yes. Uh, during Disney's quarterly financial call, their CEO announced uh, a couple things. One is that um, the Last Jedi director, Ryan, I guess that's Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Johnson, uh, is going to be helming his own Star Wars trilogy, which will be completely separate from the Skywalker saga. Right, yeah. And they're also going to create a live action Star Wars television show, uh, surprise, surprise, for their upcoming online streaming service. Is it going to be called Battle for the Planet of the Apes? I would not bet very much money on that, (laughs) but the odds are probably, you know, pretty good on the payout for that if you go that route. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Put a penny down and become a billionaire, that sort of thing. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Sorry, and they also announced they're going to do an exclusive Marvel series, but they haven't said what it is yet. But it's going to be exclusive. Oh, I missed that. It's going to be exclusive. Yeah, they announced they're going to do uh, another Marvel series a la Netflix, but they're going to do something of their choice, and it's not in cooperation, obviously, with Netflix going that route. 
Do they talk at all about continuity with that? Will it be in the same continuity as the current Netflix series? No, I think that one got lost. As I think it did for you as well, Jaime. I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle. Everyone was like, Star Wars TV series, new trilogy. And I think... Shiny. Yeah, exactly. I think everybody just sort of glommed onto those things and uh, they were able to slip that in. And I think a lot of people are just now catching up and going, wait a minute, did they say Marvel series? So I think we were waiting for some details on that one. Cool. Um, I had a follow-up item here from Inner Space, which is the TV show we talked about on Space Channel, which covers some things on um, things coming out right now they're doing a, a, a Justice League week of um, special interviews and things like that but they talked about Interspace Teddy who had been in I think he was in Asia filming some um, shows they have a show called Mighty Trains where they talk about these really cool trains that you know still are in, are in business um, if you're into trains maybe if you're like Sheldon you might want to check that show out if it's online I'm not sure but um, anyway he's back so they were talking about uh, um, the new, this current series of uh, Star Trek Discovery and a couple of things that they mentioned was that they think that Lorca, because of the way he kind of acts bizarrely, may actually be from one of these multiverse, alternate universe kind of things that they, they talk about. I think in the last episode of, um, he, was it the second last episode we saw when when Lorca reveals to Stamets, by the way, spoilers for those of you who haven't watched any of the Star, Star Trek Discovery series. Um, was it last episode that they talk about where he, he reveals to Stamets the fact that he's got this um, map of uh, of the jumps? Yes, that was on the most recent episode. Yep. Oh, that was most recent. It wasn't the second one. And so it, much like Jonathan, our Jonathan here, thinks that um, Ash may in fact be a spy. Well, especially after uh, this week. Well, let's let's look into this. So they they think he may be a sleeper agent, which yeah. may be interesting too, because if he's been, if he's been tortured, maybe there's going to be like a Manchurian candidate kind of thing happening at yeah. some point, right? Well, we'll we'll get right into that. Don't you worry. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, the next bit of follow up was we. I one of my picks was Star Trek Continues. Um, I think big big. I'm going to mix mix mess his name up and Mignola 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 I'm gonna go with Mignola Nick Mignola who looks like sort of looks like William Shatner of that time um, he's a fan who's put together a show called Star Trek Continues for those of you who didn't catch the previous episode where we talked about that um, but they expounded on it and they, they had some interviews with uh, with uh, Teddy and uh, AJ Fry um, talking about the fact that uh, the, the idea behind Star Trek Continues which has just ended with a double episode um, was to fill in the gap between uh, where in the series was cancelled because it never had never was able to reach closure I guess um, up until the first movie the Star Trek uh, the movie um, so that was what they this is what the, the whole thing does and they've and they've got some really cool uh, um, characters in there um, in fact the they have a, a woman who's dressed as the Romulan commander which I just talked about uh, a few minutes ago and she's like I had to do a double take she was you know, she looked that close to the original actress who hmm. played that role um, and a gentleman named Rob J. Sawyer uh, was who they picked to write the um, write the, the stories for this uh, series of shows. They, they, I guess they went and sought out a couple of writers um, to write this thing, and uh, he was the one that was picked. And he said, if, if nothing else, he just his whole life is about writing a, a closure to the Star Trek uh, original series. So he's now met his um, goal, I guess. Right? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's you know they, they act in the same way and they dress in the same way as the original series. So kind of like uh, just closing off those those um, missing pieces, I guess. Didn't they, right. I thought they did a series of books that sort of took place in that time uh, time span, didn't they? Yeah, you know, you may be right because I mean, I, I know I've read a number, and it gets a little blurry after a while because I've read I've read a bunch of Kirk uh, stories and there's a couple of Spock stories. You know, DC Fontana and people like that would have written had written a few of them that I've read, and they sort of like you know, there's a story where Kirk, as a young cadet, is not Jonathan Archer, who's the other guy, uh, Robert uh, April. Yep, Robert April was was the first captain of the Enterprise that Kirk 
eventually Hicks over. Um, there's a story about him as a young cadet uh, serving on that that particular uh, voyage. Um, and there's a bunch of other ones. And there's, I mean, uh, how much for this planet is a, is a great sort of send up. It's sort of a, a farce, if you will. But, you know, with, with all the usual suspects like, you know, Scotty and and uh, Sulu and Kirk and uh, McCoy and and, uh, and Spock as well, right? So it's kind of a, if you're into the original series um, characters, you know, it's kind of an interesting book called um, How Much for the Planet. Mm. Yeah. So moving on, um, this is a piece from last week, which I, which I should have, this came out the night we were we were recording uh, last week that uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon are going to be doing a series um, that's going to be hosted or sent out there by Apple Apple TV, right? Uh, which is kind of interesting. So I'll put a link in the show notes about this. More, I'm more interested in the fact that Apple is now getting into the sort of television streaming. And I did happen to have my Apple TV on yesterday, actually. And I found that the Orville, in fact, is also being streamed on Apple TV. And it links in Canada, anyway, it links to uh, City TV and CTV and a few other places. So if you have those apps already installed on your Apple TV, you go to the Apple TV app and it, it you know, you find the show you want to watch. And if it's available for free streaming online through one of the services that you may be in, enrolled in, it kind of throws you over to uh, to that uh, series. And, and Jaime and I would both know they're using deep linking to do that. So kind of a technical thing, but hmm. interesting that Apple TV, I, didn't, I wasn't sure that Apple TV was actually going to work in Canada because a lot of these sort of services like, you know, when Apple Radio came out, we didn't have it for like two years and I'm surprised we have Apple Music. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So interesting that Apple's getting more into this media streaming. I think the, the days of cable TV are, are uh, coming to an end very quickly, I think, right? Yeah. How long before they start charging extra for that? Well, you know, they already do charge. I mean, like, um, I think, uh, what was I, I did find a couple of shows that I was interested in that were on there listed. So I followed the, you know, down the rabbit hole to see where they went and eventually got to the point where it's like a dollar ninety nine for an episode or, oh, Get Smart was on there. Mm. Get Smart. Remember they'll Get Smart with um, Don Adams yep. and, uh, um, what's her name? Uh, number nine, uh, Agent 99. Uh, they, um, those are a dollar, a dollar or two a piece. You can't watch those for free, but they're on Apple TV and I hadn't seen them anywhere else before, right? So I think we have, don't we have DVDs of that stuff? Yeah. We do. Okay. Anyway, so that was a bit about Apple streaming. So did anybody catch the um, Electric Dreams uh, preview that was the Philip K. Dick series that was broadcast last night? Yeah, I did. I, I did mean, not know it that? was coming out. Um, it's not. It was a sneak preview. It's not coming out until January officially, right? December. I think you're doing it on Christmas as a preview. As Christmas, well. yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Right after um, the Doctor Who Christmas special, they're going to show Electric Dreams. Um, so the first episode was about, and we're not going to spoil it for you, honey, but the first episode was about um, with uh, Brian Cranston, uh, which is the one they've been portraying. And I think the first episode that comes out at Christmas time is starring Steve Buscemi. Um, but I just wanted to point out, uh, call out these guys because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about sexual harassment. And we talked about this last week uh, in sort of our, in our after show, I think, or two weeks ago. Um, but there was a scene in the, in the show at the very beginning, Jonathan, I don't know if you remember it, yep. but where Brian Cranston forces himself on his wife, admittedly it's his wife, but still in a very sort of... Um, yeah, he's very physically aggressive with her, very uh, intimidating. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I get that I get that they're trying to convey that that's the character of the person, but they were doing it in other ways too. Like he kept dis- interrupting her in meetings and stuff like that. Yeah. We're, again, we're not giving away too much, I mean, but I thought it was a little over the top that they, in light of the way things are going, that they would show that in a, in a show. I think we're, I think we should be able to move beyond that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they were trying to establish that this guy was a jerk and, and cruel to his wife in his way. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't take it too hard that way, although you're right. I think like so many of these things, and, and one of the things I want to talk about later is the Punisher, but some of these things just hit you at the wrong time and any, yeah. any kind yeah. of depiction now of, of, uh, you know, intimidation or, or you know, uh, use of power 
power over women is just going to hit the wrong spot pretty fast, given, you know, things are going on in society right now. So you're right. It, it definitely yeah. kind of hit a, a weird tone. Um, mm-hmm. it, this The series is interesting, but uh, it's funny because, you know, it, it's already been airing for a little while in the UK. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's, it was a Channel 4 show uh, first. It was supposed to be a Channel 4 and AMC and then AMC backed out. So Amazon picked up the US rights and Space picked up the, the Canadian rights. So okay. there's already been six episodes. So actually what we saw last night was episode six. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Or two, I guess two nights ago. They, um, I actually watched it last night. But uh, so yeah, it's it's funny that they they started with that one probably because as you say, it's got Brian Cranston in it and uh, and a couple of Game of Thrones actors. Uh, Liam Cunningham's sure. in it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Davos. And um, S.E. Davis was Lady Crane for a recurring role for a while on Game of Thrones too. And she was really, really good in this, I thought. Is that the lead character? The lead right? character. Yeah, she was fantastic. What's her name again? Essie, Essie Davis. Davis, and she was in Game of Thrones. She was, yeah, she was Lady Crane and uh, the whole uh, uh, story with um, where they're in uh, Bravos. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to go back and see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, she was good on the, on Game of Thrones, but I, I found her really captivating in that episode last night. She was uh, really, really enjoyable as that character. Yeah, she was definitely very good. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so they're doing 10 episodes of that in that first run, and they're all standalone episodes as you say like a really impressive cast list of people that are that are coming up in these shows um, mm-hmm. so, so lots to look forward to there um, it's going to be interesting to see what order they air them in from now on though I'm very curious because I, I knew well, that it's not like not the, when have they ever done that where they showed a show out of order and kind of totally ruined it well mm. but in an anthology it doesn't matter <laughs> that much right you like that's true that's you may true. as well throw Brian Cranston out there I mean you know that's that's your big yeah. gun right if you like, best, but yeah, yeah. throw out the you know multi uh, Emmy Award winning star of the biggest show of the last decade, you know? Right, right, sure. Yeah. Cool. All right, you got something here about Justice League or was this on me? No, I, I threw a couple things in here that, that got me today. So the, the Justice League won, uh, so it's they announced today that Justice League, uh, the review score is going to be held off of Rotten Tomatoes until Thursday. Oh, really? Uh, hmm. And is that bad, eh? <laughs> apparently, the reason that they've done this, according, this is uh, some, uh, is a story from Gizmodo uh, from IO9 which is a great blog if you get a chance to check it out um, they had a story that apparently uh, they're holding the review off because they're going to announce it on a new Facebook TV show that Rotten Tomatoes has what? so it's called see it slash skip it see it skip it and uh, they are going to delay the score uh, on their website because they're going to unveil it on their new show and then after it's been on the show they're going to uh, they're going to put it up on their website now this comes amid a year wherein Hollywood studios have been going ballistic because numbers at the box offices are way down because people yeah, are actually yeah. using things like Rotten Tomatoes to aggregate whether or not they should waste waste spend their fifteen dollars on Ooh. going to a movie theater. And right, right. So the timing of this is really interesting that they've chosen this week and this movie to do this this launch of this. Given that I think a lot of people are looking to see what the critical response is to decide whether or not they want to go and spend their movie money on a movie. Like Justice League, which uh, given the track record of Warner Brothers in the last couple of years, I think a lot of people are a little wary of. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. So just an interesting bit of timing, but uh, I know I was, you know, I, I read a few of the tweets from some of the preview sh- preview uh, showings they've had of it and it's gotten, you know, some positive. People said it's, you know, better than you're probably expecting and definitely better than Batman Superman and, you know, there's there's been some good vibes out there, but then some people said like, you know, still not 
not up to scratch compared to what some of their competitors are doing. And, you know, right. so it, it sounds mixed so far, but I'm, I, I was really curious about, uh, about this decision making process. And it kind of is interesting timing with a movie like that. Yeah, it's interesting. So let me ask you a sidebar question here. So having, and maybe Jaime can chime in on this too, because you probably followed along too. But so DC and Marvel, uh, or Marvel, as I like to say, um, they, they, um, they both have sort of their, their strengths and weaknesses in terms of characters and stories that they've had over the, over the years. And it, I think I'm safe in saying that Marvel has done much better in the box office than DC has, right? I think you've told me that a number of times. Oh, right? yes. So how do you think, like, like in terms of those two, in terms of print, like comic books, are they comparable or is one, or do, or do, do people polarize towards one, one uh, publisher or the other, or is, or you just split down the middle kind of thing? Yeah, I think it was, I think in the past, perhaps when I was a younger person, there was definitely uh, an us and them. You were a Marvel guy or you were a DC guy. Some people were both. Uh, I started out as a big Marvel fan and then uh, over the course of time migrated my interest to DC and uh, in the end I, I read significantly more DC books than than Marvel over the, you know, over my adult life I would say. Um, but also that was because DC made a conscious effort to spread into areas like uh, their Vertigo imprint that had books like Neil Gaiman's Sandman and Garth Ennis's Preacher and Warren Ellis's Transmetropolitan and some of these books that are just, you know, amazing works. Plus they published things like Watchmen and V for Vendetta and just they they went to some more interesting and more mature places, whereas Marvel sort of uh, for the era in which I was reading books as a teenager was really focused on, you know, a lot of superhero storytelling and, and wasn't really going in that direction. Things have certainly changed. They've had some marquee writers over the last 20 years who have done some really wonderful storytelling at Marvel. So now, uh, you know, I think there is certainly people who are avowed of one or the other, but I think there's a lot more acceptance of, I like comic books and comic books are published by a ton of different companies. Sure. Yeah. Of course, there's a lot of, you know, smaller, smaller companies have had successful um, runs as well. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, do you follow comic books at all or? I haven't uh, quite as much recently. I kind of went the opposite direction for uh, sort of platform, if we want to call it that publisher choice. I started as a, a, a young person with DC and then as I got older, started finding Marvel a little more interesting. Um, and when I'm looking at the stats here, it looks like they're just about neck and neck from some comic book sales stuff that I'm looking at. So yep, they've they've leveled, and, and that took a long time for DC to climb back into that race because Marvel dominated for a long time. Right, right. What about what about on the the platforming? Since you used that the P word here, uh, what about in terms of games or gameplay? You know, um, Marvel titles versus DC titles in video games. Uh, you know, uh, my mm. favorite uh, my favorite continuation of the Marvel versus DC rivalry has been the Lego titles, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I know a couple of people who uh, work in the industry and I heard a great uh, one person made a comment about, so they launched uh, Marvel uh, Marvel Super, Lego Marvel Superheroes was a big title. And so they had you know, over a hundred different characters you could unlock and all kinds of different, you know, hidden characters and stuff like that. So the question that, that uh, the DC executives had when they went into the next meeting was, what was the number that Marvel had, we want at least double that. And so they've actually started this sort of uh, war back and forth between like who can out expand their universe to the most ridiculous degree of, you know, like I want Howard the Duck. Well, I want Groot. Well, I want, and they just started into these characters that, you know, only huge comic nerds like me like or know, but darned if I wasn't sitting here playing these games with my son going, oh my God, I can't believe they had that character in there <laughs> to the just, you know, the, the most obscure random things that they've stuck into these games. So I must admit, I'm, I'm really kind of 
curious because Lego uh, Marvel Super Heroes 2 is coming out this uh, sometime very soon. And so I'm very curious to see how far they push that to that next level where this, this rivalry has taken them of, uh, of of having them, you know, trying one up each other in the Lego games. Yeah, I'm trying to rack my brain and think about, so I hadn't really considered the Lego games. That's actually really insightful. Um, I can't think of a of a Marvel game or, or series that sort of matches the success that DC has seen with the um, Batman Arkham series. Oh, so Asylum, Arkham City, and whatever the final one was. Um, uh, those did like fantastically well. And I, I can't even think of, a, of another sort of video game tie-in that, that has done quite as well from either publisher, uh, irrespective of the Lego series. Yep. And they also have done, they uh, over this year, they've come up with Injustice Part 2. So they've taken over into this Ooh, fighting yes. area uh, with Injustice 1 and now Injustice 2, which gets all these great, uh, pits all these great DC heroes and villains against one another in head-to-head combat. So you can play like play like a boxing match, basically, or a wrestling match between these two, you know, Batman, Superman, or Green Lantern, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, name the character, you can have them duke it out, which is really, really fun and actually has a really good storyline behind it too, so it's not just a punch em up Right, so do they have their own unique powers? Like, does Batman yep. throw money at people and stuff like that? <laughs> Making it rain! <laughs> Making it rain! Uh, yeah, no, I, all the characters have all their, their features. It, it actually is sort of set in this sort of alternate universe uh, where yeah, there's a conflict between what traditionally would have been allies, and so you end up having these opportunities where, you know, heroes versus heroes, villain versus villain, and... and so it's like a John John claude Van Damme movie, in other words. Right? Yeah, no, and it, it and again, it plays out in this very dynamic fashion, but it's really kind of cool to, you know, okay, I'm Catwoman, I'm facing Superman, how can I beat him? You know, and so you have to sort of strategize and think about her strengths and weaknesses, and, and it actually makes for a really, really fun experience. Interesting. Well, I guess the segues right nicely into Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh, yeah. So this is my favorite story of the day, uh, and this just, just was just today. So uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 launched this week, and uh, highly anticipated game. Uh, you know, for the last one was a really fun experience if you're an online gamer. It wasn't so much if you're a solo gamer, because uh, they didn't bother including a solo campaign. Uh, this week, they've uh, the folks at EA who developed the game have come under fire, because uh, apparently the way that they've built this game is that in spite of the fact that you pay $80, that's Canadian, to get the game, uh, and that's for a basic version of the game. If you want the deluxe version, it's 100 bucks. Uh, you have to actually pay an extra fee on top of that if you want to play as uh, prominent characters like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader in the game. Oh, really? Or you can spend 40 hours playing the game to unlock those characters. 40 hours. Wow. So people went on the Reddit boards and uh, were crit- criticizing this justifiably saying, hey, this is not cool. So yeah. uh, somebody's comment was, quote, seriously, I paid $80 to have Vader locked. And EA, mm-hmm. the community team at EA, replied to the post saying the paywalls meant to um, give, uh, quote, provide players with a sense of pride and accomplishment for unlocking different heroes. As, uh-huh. as for the cost, we il- selected initial values based upon data from the open beta and other adjustments made to milestone rewards before launch. We appreciate the candid feedback and the passion in the community, a passion the community has put forth around the current topics here on Reddit, our forums, and across numerous social media outlets. Well, I don't know if you guys have spent too much time on Reddit, but they do have this karma system where you can mm-hmm. vote things up and down. So right. uh, the people on Reddit were not amused by this uh, this this view of how the game was set up. And so the score right now, as of this afternoon, was minus 683,000. Uh, that is an all-time record for the lowest ranked post on Reddit. Uh, 
Uh, and there are just a scathing list of, of reviews, people saying this is a cop-out and clearly this is done with money in mind. So the folks at EA have now announced they are going to lower the prices by 75 cents per character uh, in, in, in relation to, you know, this, this uh, out, outcry of, uh, of people who are disgruntled over this. Um, I'm not sure what that makes the actual price on that yet because I must admit I haven't even looked at the game yet. But uh, apparently they have said that they will they will at least make this effort in dropping the price, but uh, not before by seventy five cents. Seventy five cents per character, yeah. But so that means you pay you Darth Vader is going to cost you seventy five percent seventy five cents less than forty dollars or whatever it was. Well, no, it was forty hours, and I don't know. I'm just going to look it up here while we're uh, while we're chatting, and I'll I'll slip that sure. back in here. It was eighty dollars to get the game, and then you yeah. pay extra unlock the characters. But I don't know what the cost per character is here. Let me see if I can find it. But wow. uh, either way, I mean. Justifiably, people are, are pretty peeved over this, and uh, and I must say, you know, that was the highlight of playing. I played Battlefront One, which I thought was yeah. again super fun. But the best part of it was, you know, walking through the Hoth ice caves, replicating the Empire fight scenes yeah. as Vader with a lightsaber in your hand, or as the Emperor with lightning bolts shooting out of your fingers, or as Luke, you know, chopping the heads off of stormtroopers. Uh, so I could see why people would be pretty uh, peeved not to be able to access those characters, especially after paying a pretty penny just to unlock the game itself so man oh man yeah yeah i mean it's it's one thing i mean we've we've kind of gotten used to this in the mobile world where ios and android games you know freemium in-app purchase iap laden games they have these same kind of economics but at the very least they have the decency to not charge you for the game to begin with and here in the let me do my gym acquisition jim sterling triple a game space where you pay <laughs> 60 to 80 dollars just to get in the door you don't expect to have you know nickel and diming happening to you it's 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 quite a, d- a disturbing trend and i'm i'm not surprised that this is the most downvoted reddit thread of all time i mean uh we we had an episode a couple episodes ago with the orville which was the same yeah. topic right like these these guys are well on their way to being re-educated at this rate so. yeah yeah brainwashed yeah yeah and again this this is the trend in gaming right is the you know you pay for a certain amount and then you can unlock more uh once you get deeper and they i mean they, they did that with the 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 last arkham game you reference time they they did you know you can buy extra skins for your batman costumes you can buy you know upgrades for your batmobile you can do stuff but there's that fine line between you know hey you can you know unlock a skin to make your batmobile look like the 1966 batmobile and oh by the way if you want to be batman you have to pay an extra price on your game (laughs) so uh you know again i I think it was probably a poor choice to uh to you know obviously put those kind of characters with that marquee name under there although again from a business point of view sure it makes sense you know people you know they're going to want to play those characters you can have a look at you know whether or not people are interested in paying a premium price for it obviously some people did and i think what people were really ticked off about was the fact that you know so many people do uh pay that premium price right they are fine with spending you know 25 bucks or 10 bucks or whatever it works out to and i'm looking it up right now and i cannot find it i'm looking out on the playstation network and i can't find it um but people Mm -hmm. don't mind spending a few extra bucks but not everybody wants to go that route and not everybody has that kind of extra money if they've saved up their 80 bucks to buy the game they don't necessarily want to have to throw in more money on these things and so you get the you get the the freemium players and you also get the the pay to players it's the same thing as all these online games the the clash of clans and all that kind of stuff too you get some people who are you know trying to build something for nothing and you get some people who are like i don't care i'll throw 500 dollars at it and i'll unlock every level and every creature and every you know every building and every everything right so 
Yeah, it's crazy. it's 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 an interesting business model. It'll be interesting to see where these kind of things go, especially with this kind of backlash. Sure, sure. All right. Well, I think what we should do is skip the next two things and just jump right into our our main features, which are the two shows, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So we're talking about and again, this is the spoiler warning. We're going to talk about episode nine, the mid season finale of Star Trek Discovery, and we're also going to talk about episode nine of uh, the Orville Cupid's Jack Cupid's Dagger. So uh, who wants to take off uh, in covering the into the forest i go recap i think it's high maze turn this week is it okay yeah let me let me try my best here so this follows right. <laughs> this follows up from the previous episode where the pavans the planet slash blue gas slash crystalline structure has uh, sent out a signal that is drawn trying to draw in both the klingons and the federation to come together uh, ostensibly for for peace unfortunately the uh the klingons don't sort of agree with that and um it opens up with captain Lorca talking to admiral terrell 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 uh, about the the situation and he's ordered quite frankly he's like look uh, your mission has failed you know we, we wanted to use this to figure out the cloaking technology for the klingons and you need to hightail it out of there we're not gonna you know risk the discovery on this sort of thing and um oh by the way we've got uh we, we got a metal uh, sorry <clears throat> excuse me not a metal we got um stuff going on that we need to take care of and uh so he sort of acquiesces but in his Lorca sort of way he really doesn't um rather than taking the the short hop over there um he has a, a nice little conversation with Stamets like, oh, uh, I guess you're not feeling that well, right? Like you're, uh, you're not feeling good enough to do a jump, huh? So um, why don't you go talk to the doctor and, and get that checked out? And we'll, we'll just go on regular warp, uh, warp five, factor five in this case to get back to Starburst 45, which conveniently will take them three hours to get there. And also means they have three hours to figure out how the heck are they going to solve this Klingon invisibility problem. And they come up with this scheme to do uh, a couple things. Uh, one, they, they realize that they can do, you know, sort of like an eye beacon. What did I write here? They they, they can put some eye beacons <laughs> yeah. or some Mac Pros, some 2013 Mac Pros on the Klingon ship and then do a whole some bunch dealing of... dealing Wi-Fi interfaces, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're... Yeah, that's, a, that's an exactly great te- uh, analogy there where, you know, just like you might have somebody going and mapping out the um, Wi-Fi signal distribution in your office when they're trying to figure out how many access points do we need. The Discovery is going to do something similar where they're going to do 133 jumps um, to jump around different coordinates around the, the Klingon on ship while those beacons are giving off different signals uh, so they can come up with some analysis of like what does that distortion pattern look like it's not a perfect cloak it, it is something that has uh, some holes in it and uh, this also means that they have to have a an away mission to beam aboard and put these little beacons on there and uh, our, our uh, golden boy Ash Tyler is of course selected as the uh, security officer and he pretty much pushes really hard to have Michael Burnham come along as well um, and they do go on board and they're I don't know I'd say they're, they're pretty successful in that, right? They they get on board, they put the first beacon, everything goes great. They've got these little, I don't know, emitters of some sort, uh, kind of like the Orville style, but but not holographic in that they can cloak themselves as being uh, Klingon life signs rather than, you know, two humans walking around. And when they're on there, they discover, oh, wait a minute, there's another human on here, which, hooray, it's uh, the Admiral, and I forget her name. Cornwell. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. She is still on there. And uh, as we talked about last week, we weren't really sure if she was dead. We didn't, I don't think we, we really thought she was because she probably would have been blown apart or some other sort of grisly thing. And here she is. She's uh, not just fine, I would say, because she complains about not being able to use her legs, so she's probably paralyzed in some sort of way, uh, for at least from the waist down. And they find her in that room with all of the, like, I don't know, dead Klingons, I guess. I forget why right. they were there. Yeah. Um, and who else would be in there but uh, Laurel, or L'Oreal, as I will call her, 
at some point, I'm guessing. <laughs> so keep messing it up in my head. And Ash Tyler just completely breaks down. Like he just has all of these, um, like PTSD style, uh, shock style flashbacks of these like terrible things that, uh, have happened between him and Laurel. And he's just shut down. So the, uh, I think the Admiral stuns Laurel, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, right. Yeah. And, uh, Michael Burnham runs off to go put the other beacon, uh, in like the bridge, I think, of the, of the sarcophagus ship. And at some point, she uses the, um, universal translator she has with her to figure out that the Klingons are like, oh, forget it. Like, we just can't beat the discovery here. Like, this thing is jumping around like crazy and we, we can't defeat it. Forget it. Let's just leave. So she buys them some time by openly challenging, um, Colt, right? And says, like, hey, you know, what's up? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> How's it going? Yeah. Here talk I am. I want to talk. Yeah. yeah. And he berates her and he, he brings up the point that, uh, Philippa Georgia was, has been killed and he's using her comm badge or sorry, her, her actually it's not yeah, her comm badge. Yeah. Uh, just like yeah. a normal, normal badge. Yeah. Like his teeth. Yeah. And <laughs> they end up, you know, fighting because she goads him into like, Hey, I thought you had honor and like, why don't we fight? You know? And, and so this gives the by some discovery some time and uh, it ends up being, I don't know what, roughly a stalemate, I'd say. Uh, she survives long enough to get beamed out by the discovery. Once they've done all their jumps, they've gotten all their data. They beam out, yeah, yeah. um, Michael Burnham, Tyler and Tyler has of course notified the, the discovery that the Admiral is there. And uh, in a Star Trek four style fashion, uh, Lorel jumps on top while they're being beamed out. And she also gets beamed over to the discovery. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see here. Oh, and uh, my memory escapes me. I just watched the episode like a day ago, I think. <laughs> and then they blow the blow the heck out of the uh, ship of the dead. Oh, yeah. they do that immediately after. Okay. I thought yeah. there was like a scene I missed in my head. Okay. Yeah. No, as soon as, as soon as they beam them back to the ship, uh, they, target the ship because they have the they could actually see right through the cloak they lock on their photon torpedoes and blow it to smithereens and kill uh, everyone aboard except for Laurel who escaped right 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 yes so this is where they get into um, saying oh okay we're going to put Laurel in the brig um, I think Michael Burnham and, and Ash Tyler have a little bit of a, of a moment where yeah first kiss yeah well, first uh, canon kiss I guess right because the other ones didn't wow. happen since, since they were alternate timelines I guess yeah didn't he kiss her on the planet last episode though no I think they put their heads together but i don't think they actually kissed oh okay you're right right hmm. yeah yeah, yeah so first first kiss in this timeline anyway i guess right yep. yeah and of course stamets and his boyfriend also have a have a snog as well yep. at one point um what's interesting though is is you know they they've, they've done this 133 jumps and that's like you know just about tore every fiber out of stamets's body he's like all messed up uh you know like physically exhausted by the end of it and the doctor's you know concerned that he's gonna you know have a problem during it and of course in typical tv fashion they say, well, you know, all we have to do is jump, do one more jump back to the starbase. Now that they've cleared all the conflicts out of the way, you know, why don't we just do one more jump? And and all the time I'm thinking, like, no, don't do that. Yeah, you know, because um, yes, and this is a major spoiler for people who haven't seen the show, but uh, they they end up doing the jump, and of course it goes horribly wrong as it, as it does, as you would expect, right? And you know, Stamus is left, you know, um, on his back with his eyes all up in the back of his head and or turned white or whatever, and and they don't know where they are they've lost they have no star pattern that they can they can uh, grab onto so we're left with a sort of a cliffhanger for the next season thinking you know are they in a multi, one of the multiverses or they zap themselves somewhere else you know uh, similar to what deep space or sort of voyager did um yeah so lost kind of in space, space. 
Yeah, exactly. We're starting <laughs> right. yeah. Danger Will Robinson. Danger, Danger Will Robinson. Yeah, that was one of my favorite shows. Lorca definitely goads Stamets into into doing this because I this is the part that I got confused with um, in the conversation with the Admiral before, where um, they're like, "Oh, you know, the the, the Admiral is going to be okay. You know, she's going to make full recovery, which is obviously bad for Lorca." And oh, by the way, we've uh, we got this Medal of Honor for you. Uh, why don't you come to our place and check it out? I'm, yeah, I'm almost certain that's a trap because I'm sure the Admiral at this point, if she had you know enough sense left, uh, she's she certainly told Starfleet about what Lorca's been up to, and he yeah. goads Stamets into like, "Well, you know, uh, we'll just warp normally. It's fine. It's cool. You don't need to push yourself." And kind of convinces Stamets to be like, "Oh yeah, well, we should do one more jump because it'll be safer. You know, what's one more jump? 133, and then I'll that'll be my last row. I'll retire from jumping." Um, right. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna take his boyfriend to see the opera. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he um he being Lorca interferes in some way, and it happens so fast I couldn't see on yeah. screen, and I didn't pause it to see what exactly he did. But he tinkers with the coordinates, or or, or oh, does he? Yeah. He flips oh, up something okay. on the bridge, yeah. and he clearly enters a different coordinate or something. Oh, he enters in 1985, right? Yeah, <laughs> they've gone to go get the whales. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about the uh, the Back to the Future. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's interesting. I have to go back. I must admit, I must have looked away for a, a split second when that happened. Right? Yeah, no, it was a split second because it, it shows him looking down at his little like armrest panel, and yeah. he, he changes something. But I wasn't quick enough to pause it and see what it was he changed. But it was it was clearly right. intended to be like he did something bad here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he interfered mm-hmm. in some way took advantage of Stamets doing one last jump. Oh, and of course, yeah. No, now, now that you say that, it makes perfect sense because I'm thinking all along, like, 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 don't do another jump, don't do another jump. And then, of course, I'm not the, you know, I don't have the evil plot in my head that says, <laughs> of course, he's going to do one more jump because then he gets to manipulate the outcome because yes. he's clearly not a not a good guy. Uh, well, he's, and he's not a yeah, not a good guy, but he's not a um, he's not a gambler in that sense. Like he's going to play the the cards he knows, right? So, and and you know, if he lets the admiral go back to um, Starfoot Command. She's gonna, she's gonna do her duty and out him, right? Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, Stamus will go into a museum or get dissected or whatever he said it would happen. To no, him, no, right? he said he was going to the opera. He's fine. Well, he's gonna go to La Boheme. Yes. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like they're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like they're gonna let him do that. Come on, seriously. Yeah. But um, yeah, interesting, interesting. Though. So lots of lots of stuff to chew on in this episode, and 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 I'm sure you guys have some different takes. But the one that I really want to go through is pertaining to my. Uh, theory on what's going on with Ash mm-hmm. is when he goes through that PTSD episode and they do these really fast cuts of what could be rape at the hand of, of mm-hmm. uh, Laurel. It could be torture. It could be both or maybe it's something else. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that scene where we see him suffering what appears to be PTSD and then following that up when she ends up back on the ship and she's in custody and he comes to see her and he drops to his knees in front of her. Right, right. There's a real sense of something happening there that is more than just, you know, I was tortured by you, that clearly there's something deep uh, connecting the two of them. And so what do you guys make of, of those kind of developments? Well, it was kind of like the Patty Hearst syndrome, right? You know, the the part where you fall in love That's with the your Stockholm daughter. syndrome? The, uh... Is that what it's called? Yeah. 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 Um, hmm, I thought it was Patty Hearst. Oh, well, I guess I guess Patty Hearst had Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, interesting. Interesting, interesting stuff. I mean, um, the torture thing obviously was was pretty uh, brutal. And of course, you know, there was uh, when he was having the dream after at near the end there before he goes to see her. You know, he sort of sees himself, you know, in relations with her if I can, right? Yeah, we we got some uh, naked Klingon in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Th- oh. This is 
this is a first. Um, yeah. We've never yeah. seen them completely bared, even though the Dura sisters definitely pushed the edge. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting, but again, it, it, I, I think, you know, if you weren't convinced by my arguments before, and there's, again, there's no end of this stuff on, uh, on blogs and social media, people theorizing about what all this means. But, uh, I don't know. To me, this, this spoke to, you know, it came back to the question of, you know, what happened to, uh, what was Laurel's lover, lover's name? The guy who disappeared. Uh, Volk. Volk. So what happened to Volk? And yeah. I can't help but think that maybe we saw what happened to Volk right there. Oh, really? Yeah. That rather than it being like torture, because they, they play it early on as like, oh, he, you know, he's screaming and there's like knives and all sorts of things. But then when you see more and more of it and you, you take the alternative view, you're like, wait a minute, what if that's just like really brutal Klingon plastic surgery? Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and again, and, and she says before she leaves him uh when when he gets you know exiled by cole she says you know you in order to you know win the battle you want to win you're going to have to give up everything and what better way is there for him to do that than to be stripped of his identity and sent as a deep cover agent to infiltrate starfleet by taking the place of somebody they captured yeah. interesting yeah so so this is the uh the enterprise incident all over again yeah over. i i honestly i i had a feeling that was where this was going but i think when we saw those scenes and the way they were really sort of cutting through it i think jaime's right i think you can really see that this could be taken in a couple of different ways you know maybe they did have a guy named ash and maybe this was you know the scenario that played out but it could be that it's implanted memories it could be a lot of different things uh but i think this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out over the second half of the season mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. what it is we're dealing with because now we've got laurel and either ash who's clearly got some kind of brainwashing thing going on or maybe even volk uh in disguise on discovery and they're lost in space and lork has got his own agenda and burnham's you know fallen for ash and you know and stamets is losing his marbles i mean there's there's so much stuff that's going to be coming in the next half of the season i'm excited hmm, interesting and the other thing i wanted to talk to you guys about is i i took the time to go back and rewind and write down what stamets says when he's uh jumping because i thought right. they were interesting and i i don't know what to make of them so i'm going to read them for you guys and, and we'll see if we can make okay. sense of this mm-hmm. the first time when he's doing his 133 jumps he says there's a uh there's a clearing in the forest that's how they go right which makes no sense now i'm sure it will down the road but that i don't know what to make of that at all and then the second time when he's uh doing the trip that leaves them in the middle of nowhere he says i can see them all infinite permutations it's magnificent right i i thought that was talking about the the multiverses yeah so i wonder if you know we what we know about that dark universe from our Star Trek original series and Deep Space Nine episodes is that uh, th- that universe is is militaristic and they had some pretty nasty weapons there. So I wonder if Lorca's plan is to go to that alternate universe and load up and go back and win the war or if he's, as someone else said earlier, going home. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting just on, on the whole sub- subject of multiverses, you know, in, in the time of, um, you know, the late 60s in terms of fiction with the mirror mirror episode you know you've got a sort of very binary um type of universe you've got the inside the mirror universe where you know spock is evil and and kirk is evil and and there's the whole sort of they they rise to power by you know assassinating their enemies and things like that right so um so but in if you look at some of the stories by robert heinlein where they have um you know sort of like and and i think they talk about this on, on the big bang theory with uh sheldon the fact that there are you know um like six because there's three dimension 
combinations. Um, there's technically like six or nine, I forget what the number is, possible combinations of multiverses, which sort of opens, if you imagine like, a, uh, if you can imagine like flipping the, the axes around, you know, from X, Y, and Z to you end up with six or nine different permutations um, as sort of like, so so that, you know, somewhere becomes a hub to these other places. Um, Heinlein explores that in, in um, one of his uh, books with one of his Lazarus Long books where, you know, at one point they're, they're, the universe is full of fictional characters. Like you'd run into Batman and Robin and so on and so forth and, you know, Will Robinson and, and William Shatner, or sorry, not William Shatner, but Kirk and stuff like that, right? In other universes, you know, Britain is the superpower as opposed to America and things like that. Like, you know, and they have ornithopters instead of airplanes and all these different kind of permutations, right? So this map that Lorca is looking at, um, that he's been mapping the sort of feedback from the jumps, I guess, right? Sort of opens up this this whole series of universes that are available to them, right? So kind of where did they end up? Did they end up in one of the ones that he, like he, like if, I, like I said, I missed it, but if he entered in coordinates for one that he knew existed, that's kind of where they've gone. But then he should know where they are when they land there, right? And he asks uh, Saru, Saru? Yep. Where they are, right? The science officer. And he has no clue, right? So. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I think, uh, you know, I think we've all gone through these episodes together and, you know, there's been some highs and some lows, but uh, this was a pretty neat spot to jump off from and, and you know, perhaps even more than I was at the beginning of uh, for episode one. I'm looking forward to see where they go from there. Really? Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think this was neat. It's a good cliffhanger. It's um, And thankfully, it's only until January 7th, 2018, when Despite mm-hmm. Yourself will premiere. It's a little bit of a break. It's not quite the full summer break that you got for uh, Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Oh, yeah, that was such a long summer. <laughs> is that the one where, where the Best of Both Worlds is the Borg one? Yes. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. right. oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it was also so, kind of a, a neat thing to see the discovery like what it can do in terms of battle like granted they weren't fighting very hard it was mostly a distraction uh, and data analysis and collection thing but it was kind of cool watching it do its little spinny flip and fall down thingy and just appear all over um the space around the sarcophagus yeah oh and they also jump out of warp right they were running at warp five and they first jump back to the planet in mid-warp yeah that's true they didn't they didn't stop you know stop the engines and then do the jump they just jumped and were perfectly still when they came out that's kind of interesting right, yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, the obviously they had a different agenda, but even just that attack pattern scared the heck out of Cole, who was like, okay, you know what, let's load this thing up. That's why Burnham has to start shooting up the bridge because, uh, you know, the attack pattern of them jumping and jiving and shooting and coming at them was really throwing them off their game. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Klingons don't jump. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't quite talk about it, but beyond the um, sort of first time we've ever seen topless Klingon uh women <laughs> we also had our i believe our first man-on-man romantic kiss yeah. in star trek yeah. i don't think yeah. there's ever been one before and there may or may not have been a, a women one but uh, or at least like a uh with an intersex species or something but like this is like the first clear these are both normal human beings sort of thing so uh, kudos to them for like making that first step and speaking of same sex re- sex relations that's the perfect segue jaime to the orville <laughs> yes which was ab- ab- abounded with uh, sex Actual <laughs> positions, yeah, and interspecies relations, and all kinds of good mm-hmm. stuff. So, who wants to take this one on? I can, be, I can be real tech 
spectacle and say, well, the blue dude shows up again. All right. Well, I'll do this one. I, I, <laughs> right. I, I, I had a good time with this one. So, uh, so uh, the, the larger part of this plot is that uh, for this. Was it actually Rob Lowe? It was Rob Lowe. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I totally thought it was. It but then was. I, when I looked up on IMDb, I couldn't figure out who it was. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So this is uh, the Orville episode nine, Cupid, Cupid's Dagger. So the uh, premise of the show is that uh, the Orville is called in by Admiral Halsey uh, to uh, intercede in a dispute between the Navarians and the Bruidians who are fighting over the planet Lepovius. Good job to whoever's naming everything this week. Uh, so they need the help of a forensic archaeologist to come on board and decide uh, whose genetic ancestry this planet is uh, is belonging to. So trying to establish where this belongs to the Navarians or to the Bruidians. And so ship shows up on, uh, shuttlecraft shows up on the ship, outsteps Rob Lowe as Derulio, who of course was uh, a cameo in the first episode. Derulio is the blue gentleman who uh, Kelly cheated with. Kelly, his first officer, his former wife, uh, cheated on him with. So this leads to a pretty awkward situation on board the Orville where Ed is ticked off to see this guy, obviously knowing what happened you know, as a result of that in the relationship. Uh, but but Derulio actually turns out to be a pretty charming guy and all of a sudden everybody starts warming up to him and Kelly and he start hitting it off again and next thing you know he and Kelly end up in bed and then uh, we start seeing love spreading through the air all over the ship. People are starting to have these sort of unexpected uh, relationships. We see uh, Yafit, the gelatinous crew member uh, on the engineering crew, starts uh, to woo Dr. Finn, who he's had eyes on for a few episodes now and uh, he shows up in, in sick bay with an uh, acoustic guitar and a handful of flowers singing uh, Ramon's tunes to her to try and pick her up and somehow it works he ends up hooking up with Dr. Finn and then we end up with Ed starting to get jealous of Kelly's uh, attention on Derulio but it's not that he's jealous of Kelly he's jealous because he wants to spend time with Derulio so then he ends up asking Derulio out which leads to one of the best and funniest parts of the series so far in a conversation between Ed and Gordon who asks the point bank question do you want to bang Derulio? Uh, <laughs> and so of course it turns out that Derulio's uh, species, he's a rep, uh, Retepsian, his species uh, goes into heat once a year and they release pheromones and the pheromones have gotten you know, through contact onto Ed, onto Kelly and onto Yafit. Uh, Yafit? Yafit. And so all of these... Played by Norm MacDonald. Right? Played by Norm MacDonald. Yeah. Yep. his own Norm MacDonald. Yep. And uh, so they end up in this, you know, crazy love triangle where the two of them end up and, and of course Ed asks Derulio out, they end up in bed together and while this is going on the uh, the two species the Navarians and the Bruidians are starting to fight over this planet and things have gone awry so they decide to use the Retepsian powers of pheromones to bring them closer together so they have uh, Derulio put his love spell on the two uh, ambassadors who end up falling in love and solving the conflict by holding hands onto the bridge and announcing that they're in love and they're getting married and that will solve the conflict and they order their sides to stand down and Derulio reveals that they actually both shared the planet, the common ancestry, and they have to find a way to get over it uh, in a typical sort of happy Star Trek ending. Uh, but it ends on a nice little cliffhanger, too, of uh, was Derulio actually uh, releasing pheromones? Is that why he got Kelly into bed the first time and why she cheated on Ed? He sort of says, maybe. So now we're sort of left with that. Well, you know, Kelly's sort of doubting, did she mean to cheat on Ed? Was it just something she couldn't avoid? So, yeah, lots of stuff to unpack, but funny, funny episode. Lots of funny stuff. My favorite line has to be you are a sexual jihadist from 
Ed Kelly, which is such a great line yeah, after he catches me, her in bed. Sorry, Jaime. Sorry. Oh, I think for me, the one I liked was the interaction on the bridge between um, Gordon and Isaac, where Gordon's like, dude, like, after Mercer's like really into Derulio. <laughs> and Isaac's like, I, it's unclear. Please clarify. Has Captain Mercer been inside of Derulio? He's like, not yet, as far as I know. <laughs> That's definitely some uh, Seth MacFarlane human there. And uh, also, I was really kind of impressed that we learned so much about Yafet's species yeah. in what is like not a uh, Yafet episode, right? So we, we learned that much like um, Odo from Deep Space Nine, he has a, a, a bed instead of a bucket. He has like a flat, I don't know, like a sandbox. Yeah. Sand in it, he just sort of oozes himself into it as, as a liquid to let himself uh, relax. We learned that um, he can stretch out parts of his body uh, beyond just his arms. He can move his lips up to yep. kiss the doctor. And then whatever, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it because I'm not, he, he does have a mouth of some sort. So it definitely is like a, an oral thing, but he like engulfs the entire, <laughs> uh, the entirety of the doctor as he's uh, uh, kissing her. We'll call it uh, space yeah, kissing. Kiss, kissing her. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we also learned that, that his species normally reproduces uh, asexually, that they, what's yeah. he say, mitosis, I think? Yeah, so his mitosis, brother, yeah. His mother is his brother, sort of thing. Yeah, and he got the looks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, there again, it was a funny episode, right from the beginning where they start with a karaoke bar, where they're all uh, at their version of 10 Forward, and they're, you know, they set Bordas up to sing Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On from Titanic, and he screams, you will be silent, while they clap for him. <laughs> Uh, we got a nice uh, little cameo in there. I, I noted uh, Canute, the weird uh, karaoke host they have there. This huge purple guy was uh, Ralph Garman, a podcaster, fellow podcaster, does Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith. Uh, I'm a fan of his. And uh, so nice to see him get a cameo. He's uh, a voice actor on Family Guy as well. Uh, so we've seen another uh, Family Guy alumnus in there as well. So uh, yeah, lots of lots of fun. Uh, I think this was probably the best episode they did. It's got you know some of those great Star Trek things to balance things out. Uh, but just funny, flat out. Rob Lowe was funny. Uh, the Yafit stuff was funny. Ed was funny. Kelly was funny. Gordon got some great lines. This was, I think it was a great, great episode. Yeah, I think Rob Lowe was a good choice because he is a very charismatic sort of guy. So you can, you can see how he fits in pretty well to this character. And relationship wise, they set up a couple interesting things in this episode. So at the very tail end, we, we talked about the fact that they're sort of, I mean, they have been sort of setting up the whole season that maybe Ed and Kelly would get back together. Um, but this gives them a really good excuse in the future to say, hey, well, maybe it was an oopsie. You know, I really wasn't, uh, really wasn't myself. It was a chemical thing. Yep. And I was waiting for all three of them to end up in bed together at some point. <laughs> right. All three of them? Yeah. yeah. I really thought that's where that was going. Yeah. yeah. Um, and on the opposite end, they seem to be foreshadowing that Bordas and his um, husband will be breaking up at some point. Like they really right, right. hammered home the fact that they're having marital issues. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. But I wonder if that's part of their species though, right? Yeah. It, it's just, it's funny to see the different dynamics because again we're getting you know I, I like that we got Ed having sex with Derulio and people weren't like oh my god you had sex with another male male uh, they were just like you know treating it like it was just another sexual relationship they didn't blow it out because it was a gay relationship and that's great and in the same way they're treating the relationship between Bordas and his husband as any normal relationship where you know they're having right, marital yeah. problems and the husband's like fine I'll just go home and hang out with the kid and I can't you know they were complaining about their sex life a few weeks ago and they're not 
you know, they're not treating it with any kind of weird kid gloves or anything because it's a uh, uh, same sex relationship. It's it's nice that it's not, you know, being put in this weird, you know, corner because it's something that's not, you know, usually dealt with on sci-fi, sci-fi properly. Sure. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good recap of that. You guys want to move on to the picks? Sure. sure. All right. So, uh, so Jaime, you got a couple of, you got one pick. One pick. One, one, one. one here. And it's, uh, it's a want to see sort of thing in that uh, apparently Amazon is going to run a multi-season Lord of the Rings prequel TV series, presumably on their Prime Video channel. Um, it's hard to get any sort of d- distinct information on this so far. It seems like it's more the Tolkien estate coming forward to Amazon with this this thing. And I guess Amazon has uh, apparently internally outbid uh, a few other folks for this. But everyone would like to see this. I mean, it, it's been known for a long time that Amazon has been wanting its own Game of Thrones equivalent. And what better thing after Game of Thrones than Lord of the Rings? So hopefully, hopefully they cover something that we haven't seen before, like uh, stuff out of the Silmarillion or the unfinished yeah. sort of stuff that Tolkien had. There's like yeah. multiple Bibles worth of uh, content related to Lord of the Rings, uh, or at least the, the realm of Lord of the Rings that, that they could play with without really sort of stomping all over uh, what the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings trilogy from Peter Jackson did. Sure. And there's all kinds of nooks and crannies left over in the Lord of the Rings universe that, that they didn't even touch in the movies at all, right? So Yeah, yeah. A lot of side story they could go into if they wanted to. Did you catch uh, how much Amazon paid for just the rights? I did no. not see the Two, number. $200 million. Oh, I was going to say a billion dollars? Yeah, $200 million dollars wow. just for the intellectual rights to be able to actually make the series. Wow. That's not including the cost of actually getting it up off the ground and making it. $200 million just to license the, the use of that world. Wow. Yeah, that's a couple bucks. Great. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> a couple. All right. So Jonathan, you got the uh, Punisher to talk to about? Yeah, I got a couple of picks. Uh, so the Punisher Netflix series starts this week. Again, it's kind of weird timing. Uh, show that obviously, uh, you know, the part of the Marvel Universe, it's darker and edgier. Uh, the Punisher is not a superhero. He doesn't have special powers. He's uh, just a, a guy with a bunch of guns who takes the law into his own hands. Uh, coming off of some of the uh, tragedies we've seen in the world, uh, particularly the United States of late, using gun violence, it's kind of a weird timing thing. And yet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm a longtime fan of those uh, the character. They've done some really interesting stories. I'm kind of curious to see where they go with this character on his own uh, and how they build off of where they left things off uh, at the end of Defenders to sort of carry into the next phase of those Netflix series. So uh, I- I'm keen to sort of see where they go next and and uh, and where they take this character. Yeah, and Jonathan, I think last time we talked about the Punisher, you had mentioned that he that character came out during the Daredevil Marvel series. Yeah, he was a, a significant significant part of the the Daredevil second series on Netflix. So he starts off as uh, as sort of a villain and then sort of morphs into this sort of vigilante fighting for his own causes kind of thing towards the end and actually you see him uh, you know strap on the skull t-shirt and start uh, that sort of branded look of the Punisher uh, towards the end of that series. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go from leaving that character and I know from watching the trailer for it which we'll uh, we'll put up on our page that uh, uh, we do see some familiar faces from the Daredevil series and from that Marvel Netflix uh, collaborative series. Uh, there's some familiar faces for people who have been following that little pocket of the Marvel universe are going to turn up too. So uh, it, it won't just be just the Punisher. It's going to be in that you know dark side of New York City, uh, rooted in the uh, on the streets version of Marvel's universe. Right, the Hills Kitchen area of New York. And mm-hmm. the trailer. I haven't seen this trailer uh, that you linked here, but previous trailers I saw, like I think on Netflix 
Netflix itself made it look like it was going to be sort of origin story heavy, or at least from the beginning piece. So yeah. It sounds like it dovetails timeline-wise into that part of the Daredevil um, part of the series. Yeah, I think they're going to go back and sort of explore some of the, you know, how a man gets to this place. And, you know, the thing is, you can't, you know, when he first premiered in, in Marvel Comics in the 70s, he was this sort of merciless, you know, uh, uh, killer of villains kind of character. But you can only do that for so long. You need to find some dimensions. And they did a, a good job of that in the Daredevil series. Uh, and hopefully they'll continue to try and build the fact out of, you know, what drives a man to this place. You know, obviously we've established from the comics years ago, it was, you know, his family was was slain and he was on a, a pursuit of vengeance. Uh, but, you know, there's got to be more to it to keep that kind of person driving to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So it'll be interesting to see how they keep that motivation up and makes this make this a compelling character in a world where, you know, uh, a guy walking down the street with a gun shooting at people is not necessarily going to be the most popular uh, series on its own merits. So, right, right. And so my other pick for this week is uh, is a book. So uh, this week, we're going to see the release of Artemis, the new book by Andy Weir, who's the author of The Martian, which, uh, of course, mm, right. was uh, made into a feature film, a Matt Damon film, uh, was it last year or the year before? Uh, but, a, but a really good adaptation of a really good book. I think, uh, I know, Tim, you had read it as well. I don't know if you've mm-hmm, read it, Jaime, mm-hmm. but, uh, but a good book. So uh, the plot of this one is, is uh, I'm told something about uh, a crime thriller set on the moon so mm. i'm looking forward to diving to this and and taking a look to see what uh, what kind of follow-up that uh, andy work can come up with uh, having enjoyed that sort of look at the scientific slash adventuring world of uh, of the martians so yeah he did science the crap out of that uh, that story oh there was yeah. a lot of sciencing i saw some i saw some, a couple i mean i saw a couple of interviews with him um the martin weir or andy Weir talking about uh, the creation of the martian um story itself so was the Martian his first book? You know, I don't actually. Now that you mention it, I see all the books by Andy Weir. Let's click on that link there. Well, I'm looking at the little bit shorter description on Amazon, which will give you the synopsis here. So, Jazz Bashara is a criminal. Well, sort of. Life in Artemis, the first and only city on the moon, is tough if you're not a rich tourist or an eccentric billionaire. So, smuggling in the occasional harmless bit of contraband barely counts, right? Not when you've got debts to pay and your job as a porter barely covers the rent. Everything changes when Jazz sees the chance to commit the perfect crime with a reward too lucrative to turn down. But pulling off the impossible is just the start of her problems as she learns that she stepped square into a conspiracy to control or for control of Artemis itself at na- and that now her only chance of survival lies in a gambit even riskier than the first. Available mm. on hardcover for 1756 or Kindle for 1399 uh, US. Yeah, and it'll be on, uh, I'm sure, Audible very soon too, which is probably how I'll sure. consume it uh, given my yeah. daily commute. And it says actually on here, Tim, on uh, Ra- uh, Penguin Random House's site that The Martian was his first novel. So this is his second. Right, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if he can follow up such a strong debut. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. Okay. Well, I guess that's it for the week and the guys, eh? So, all right. So, uh, Jaime, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where do they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the hair. Okay. And Jonathan, where would people find you? I'm on Twitter as at JPK News. All righty. And, uh, of course, I am Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, and you can find me on the Twitterverse as well. So until next week, we'll say adieu. Goodbye. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Did you say goodbye, Jonathan? I did. I didn't hear you. Mm-hmm. Goodbye! <laughs> <laughs>If you want to find out more about the podcast or see episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spockcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spockcast. 
If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSparkCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount on patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find out details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. I mean, if, I, I think we have, just have to agree what we're going to watch as we go so that we can all make sure we're on the same page. But I mean, we've right. got... Uh, we've got... Uh, oh, there's Doctor Who to start watching. Well, there's the Ooh, Doctor Who Christmas special coming up. The, yeah. It's on Christmas Day. There'll be the Christmas episode. And that'll okay. be the debut of the new Doctor, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching Mr. Robot and uh, there's a couple of other shows I was thinking about. I've caught up on Stranger Things. We could get into Stranger Things. Right, right. Okay, yeah. yeah we'll have yeah. Justice League for next week. Are you going to go see that this week uh, uh, or the weekend, Jaime? Ooh, that's a good question. I will see if I can. Oh, sorry. I was also looking at the new Doctor Who's costume. It says how Doctor Who's new costume cleverly leans on history. Yeah, it means nothing to me, but it does look very kind of retro. Yeah, even to my yeah. eyes. So cool. Yeah. When when does the when does Doctor Who come out? Well, Christmas Christmas, Christmas Day, Day is special. Right? Christmas Day. Okay. They, they always do a Christmas episode, and you never know which Doctor is going to end up on it. But and we know it's Capaldi for sure this time. Yeah. Okay. But it'll be the transformation episode. Okay. So I'll, yeah, and, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Oh, we'll so. probably be on break when we um when that happens uh okay because i'll be i'll, I'll be doing uh-huh. holiday travel so we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out then but it sounds like we've got uh, other sci-fi that next week we can definitely do orville and maybe stranger things and then we'll sort of see what we have on tap for that we could touch on justice yeah. league if you get a chance to see it jaime and otherwise mm-hmm. tim and i can work on our spoiler free review for you sure so when is thanksgiving for you guys is it this weekend or next weekend next week yeah Thursday. Next week. oh that's a good point uh you know what i will need to check my calendar before i commit okay i was about well, to make a grand proclamation i was like i will commit to seeing justice league I'm like wait a minute what do i have to do on friday <laughs> yes i am off on friday i will go see uh, justice league if i can i'll, I'll go see like a really a really <laughs> awkward time like noon or something when everybody else is out. right mm-hmm. i'll go check it out that way we can we can all uh talk about that next week yeah well you better better maybe you should buy your ticket in advance because i'm sure all the other people doing podcasts are going to watch it on friday at noon oh they're all waiting for the Rotten Tomatoes review. <laughs> hey, how do we get ourselves into those those uh, those um, uh, pre- preview uh, things that they do with the you know the press junkets? Oh yeah, I went, well, to, I went to one with you before before when you were at the Star. But yeah, were, yeah. Well, you know, I could start making phone calls if we're ready to uh, you know start search expanding our uh, our purview. Our repertoire. I, I got a couple people. Yeah, and Tim, you can take an Uber there and a Lyft and a Lyft. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Right? <laughs> you can skate sure. between them, sort of uh, Van Dam style, if you want. Yeah, no, I don't do Lyft. I don't do Uber like. I told you right so so we're gonna see you on uh on thursday night you're gonna make it to this one who me yes you not me oh yeah I'm taking transit. No, no, I, I have a sleep study between now and then. I've got, I got like hours and hours of fun ahead of me. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I have your uh, your nephew on standby. He came and filled your seat for Thor. So. Uh, oh, did he? Oh, yeah. good, good. Okay. At least it didn't go to waste. Yeah. No. I mean, he lives in the neighborhood. I told him if you can get uh, if you can get to the theater in 20 minutes, you can have Tim's ticket to Thor. He was like, all right. So, okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. See you guys.